Welcome to On The Brink, fresh lens to take you and your business to new heights. Hi, I'm Andy Simon. I'm your host and your guide. And remember, our job on the brink is to get you off the brink. That means I have to bring you people who are going to help you see, feel, and think in new ways about what you're doing, what others are doing around you, and how you can change what you hate to do. You know your brain hates it. So we're going to help you do it. Today, I have Katrina Boris with me. She's out in Las Vegas, and as you know, we go globally, but this is a very interesting woman. She's got a book called Managing Brilliant Jerks. I'll say that again. Her book is Managing Brilliant Jerks. I'll let her tell you about it, but today we want to talk about how leaders can become better leaders, how executives might have people within your organization, like you have, who aren't exactly as good as they can be, call them jerks. And why you don't necessarily have to get rid of them in order to turn them into, transform them into great people, because talent is hard to find. And Katrina is going to help you understand both her own journey here, but also what she does so brilliantly to help those jerks become great performers. And you can as well. Katrina, thank you so much. Thank you, Andrea. It's a pleasure to be on your podcast. Well, I'm going to enjoy our conversation. Katrina also has a podcast and she can tell you about it later. Tell our listeners about who is Katrina and her journey, because this is a very interesting story to share. Please. So I'm a Swiss and American and uh, I uh, grew up in Europe, Switzerland, Germany, Italy and Spain. And now recently, since four years, I'm in Las Vegas. So... So I'm a binational. So that also has helped me understand what I call global nomadic leaders. I wrote a book in French in that, which is really how, uh, what are current CEOs of multinationals like Nestle looking for in their leaders? Uh, Because they need to be global leaders and have worked and been successful in different countries. And the other Uh, area of expertise is managing brilliant jerks, which what does that mean? That means that they are difficult, difficult leaders, eh, but they are brilliant in what they do. So they're too brilliant to get rid of, but too costly to manage. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, The dilemmas. Now, I have two leadership academies I I had mentioned to you. And the topic has great relevance to what we're doing. How did you come about hmm, focusing on, I mean, I can understand the cross-cultural question. And then how did it migrate to this one? I'm curious. Well, I had a difficult stepfather, which uh, was, uh, I think, very brilliant, very culturally uh, educated, loved fine music, the arts and everything. But uh, uh, you know, with um, a stepfather, you come into a situation as a child, and he was pretty difficult for me anyway. So, and so it was only later that I understood that in his own way, he was trying to help me and protect me. But the way he did it, all I remember is how he did it and not what he was trying to do. And so later in, you know, in my corporate world, I would come across these individuals. And when I left the corporate banking world, the Swiss banking world, I decided to help these leaders, you know, put, they see 2020 like driving a car 2020 in front of them, what the results they want. Uh, 
but they're interpersonally blind. That's the side they don't see. And uh, by helping them, these leaders, not only do you help all the people around them because they're, they improve with their relationships, but it also costs a lot less to the companies, you know, lot less turnover, more productivity, less absenteeism, less health issues, less even litigations <laughs> because people, you know, might accuse them of bullying or discrimination. And I found that you can help them change. And interesting is that we do a lot of work on conversational intelligence, Judith Glazer's work on how we're all, all of life is a conversation. And uh, you have a story in your head that is a script. And if you don't change that script, you won't know how your conversations aren't getting to the results that you need. And the second thing we focus on is that leaders have followers. And if leaders are going to be effective, oh, they better understand that conversation with the follower and the follower with the leader or nothing gets done. But you sound like you discovered something very interesting in terms of how to help those jerks become better and more effective. I'm anxious to hear about it. Well, usually it's the company that calls me ah. because they have somebody in their midst that... Uh, have done incredible results, so they want to invest in them. But at the same time, is causing side effects that are difficult, like people are leaving the company or there's a lot of complaints at HR. Uh, there's His ways are, are gives a bad reputation to the outside world because it begins to have, oh, this company has bad leadership. People are known to be toxic. And, you know, it has an effect on the others. Because if they see this person as a high achiever and also a leader in the company and he's being promoted because he's getting the results, well, then people start emulating that behavior. And so what started like maybe with one person is sort of has a ripple effect through the company. The other thing is that, you know, it's like some hospitals, they really want the cardiologist, the top notch in their field and go to great, uh, you know, length to and hire this person. But then they find out he has a terrible bedside manner and the nurses don't want to work with him. So it's like, yes, they're experts. Yes, but they're, they don't get along with other people that well. So, and and they can change because they're they're performers oriented. They're high achievers because that's why I call them brilliant. And if they see, if you can make them realize that they're underperforming in certain areas, that usually is a good start to motivate them to change it. But you have to bring undeniable proof of it. You're raising a very interesting. Um, pre-process conversation. It sounds like if they don't see themselves as not being the kind of great person they think they are, they can't see it. They don't know what you're talking about. And I have a hunch that's part of your process. So take us through the process a little bit. I'm curious about how do we get them to actually look in the mirror and see that jerk as opposed to see that hero? Or is there something else that I'm missing? 
No, no, you're not missing anything. <laughs> so I would say I have a seven-step process. First, I look at the company. I'm an OD, I'm a, I've got a PhD in organizational development, human and organizational development. So I first look at the organization and I see what are the values of the company? I there, uh, what is valued? Uh, is the means over the ends valued? Uh, what's what's the processes of evaluation of the people and of the leaders? Is there something in place? There's a whole series of things I look at. So I call that elude. And then the next is I, I go and start working with the uh, brilliant jerk, as I call them affectionately. Mm-hmm. Of course, the brilliant jerk thinks he's like you mentioned very well, Andrea, is that they outperform and they do outperform. So they don't see their blind spot. So I make sure that the their boss or the board clearly tells them that they're underperforming in that area. Yes. But what got them them to be so successful is probably a certain way of behaving. So they're at a loss. They don't understand. What do you mean? I've brought this company and turned it around. I restructured it. And now you're telling me that my ways are not good. I'm not here to hold people's hands. Uh, These are, you wanted me to restructure it. I have done it. So what are you complaining about? So there is the hierarchy has to really clearly explain that they're not meeting their objectives in a certain area because as a consultant and an executive coach, I come in to my clients and I will come out. I help them. I'm a catalyst, but I'm not part of the process. So I want the leadership to take responsibility to give them feedback. And a lot of the leaders are scared of these brilliant jerks because they're high performance and they don't want to lose them. So uh, they tiptoe around them. And if you have an avoidant leader, that is taking care of the brilliant jerk. Well, then that's really complicated. <laughs> I'm laughing because I, it's almost a cartoon. <laughs> yeah. But it is not funny. So sometimes you have to really coach the boss of this brilliant jerk or the board member to really uh, say it in a very clear terms. And sometimes, so you... You also prepare the brilliant jerk to listen, Mm -hmm. uh, to see that this is information and it's not agreeing or disagreeing with him, but to to put him in condition. And so that that is a clear expectation that is cited of what's the objective of the coaching. And also it gives a coach, the uh, gave me the opportunity to see how how they interact. What do they really say? Sometimes they say, oh, we've already talked to him. There's no reason we should talk to him again. He knows. I said, mm-hmm. And so I'll call to the leader uh, uh, that has interpersonal problems. And I'll say, well, so what did your boss tell you? And they'll say, oh, he says, well, he thinks my ways are not that good, but I'm doing very well. And he's very proud of me of what I've achieved. So, you know. <laughs> so... I make sure they, the leadership takes their leadership and I don't intervene as a messenger. So then I work individually with a brilliant jerk and it's really tapping into their, their intelligence and uh, make captivating them to learn something so they're, they're intelligent. 
They're super intelligent and to be more self-aware. So there's a whole series of things I do with them to do that. And then I, I observe, as I mentioned, how he is or she is with their, their superior, or the senior management or the board member. And I give them feedback on what I've perceived. And to get into a mindset to have them look more, because now the first step is self-awareness. So to be once they're more self-awareness of how they function, to try to see how their boss functions and compare and contrast. So I kept their brilliance. So I captivate their interest to observe more because a lot of them don't see. So, but first starting with themselves and then with others. So I call that emphasize to be a strategic partner with their boss so that they can align better. And then I go and then I do a lot of research work in the company, how to see how our company uh, perceives this, this client of mine in their brilliance and what would make their relationship more productive. Why don't I say their weaknesses like most people? Because if I say their weaknesses and they have difficulty interpersonally, I'm just emphasizing more their difficulties. I want to leave the impression that it's an, how could it make the relationship more productive is really, it's two people together. That's right. So they're part of the responsibility of the relationship. The other thing why it's important is that if someone is going through a leadership process, it's telling the rest of the people he's working on himself or she's working on herself. Mm-hmm. You know, the company has done something about it. So it's seen positively because they're suffering the roughness of this person. Okay. And the other thing is in the beginning, when the person starts trying new behaviors, they might say, Oh, it might be a bit awkward. I mean, they're not. It is a person. Yeah. So they might come after weekend and come to you. Well, Andrea, how was your weekend? How are your kids? How's the dog? <laughs> I have no idea how to play a new role. Honestly. Yeah, it's going to be awkward. And Andrea, you might say, oh, my God, now what does he want from me now? He's trying to be nice because he's going to ask me something. <laughs> On the contrary, if they know, they say, oh, he's making an effort or she's making an effort. Isn't that nice? So they'll sort of try to you know, work it through it. Uh, if they don't, they'll push them back and they'll get the... the, the they'll make no progress at all. No progress. And the, he'll come back or she'll come back and say, you see, it didn't work. They're even more tougher with me. You see, so so that's the um, expand, what I call, that's the, the third step. And then I observe them with their teams and see um, uh, a client of mine was had a group of very high potential, smart team members. And at the beginning of the year, he would have an objective, make a plan with all of them. And at the end of the year, nothing got done. So he called me in and said, look, there's something here that I'm not doing right because nothing's getting done and I want to know how they perceive me. So there I observe them when the the leader's credibility goes up and when it goes down. 
So that gets firsthand feedback. And then what is it about their team that's not working? So a lot in this case, it's going to be different things for different groups. But uh, in this case, these teams were made fun of everybody. So someone would propose an idea, develop the idea, and then there were six other people there to destroy it. I see they would. So when I made them more conscious of it, then I even played with them because they're and said, every time you criticize an idea without adding it, put $10 in this bucket and we'll all go have a drink. So to use this love to criticize, but do it in a different way that's more constructive yes. and playful. And then at the end of the year, the results were 100 times better. Because, uh, And also for my client... Uh, what he was saying that was encouraging this behavior in his team and what he could do to change uh, by being a, an observer. So that's empower your team. And then, of course, there's a developmental plan that has to be in place, and that's executing the developmental plan. And then finally, how they can communicate to inspire, yes. inspire people to do the, the extra mile. Wow. So. I have on my website called Excellent Executive Coaching uh, an exercise that I have them in the first first step of the process with the, the brilliant jerk is how to see more in their people. For example, what are these people thinking? What are they passionate about? What are they fearing? Where are they going with their legs? What of you know? What are they doing? And it's a simple exercise, but it's part of the process. And you have it on my website. It's called Developing Your EQ. Uh -huh. so, but so that's something concrete they can do and get. Yes. Now, a word from our sponsors, Simon Associates Management Consultants. Simon Associates is us. And we love to help you see, feel, and think in new ways to help you and your business grow. We specialize in applying the tools and methods of anthropology, but we're also entrepreneurs and business builders, and we like to share our experience and expertise with you. So if you're stalled or stuck or starting up, give us a buzz and let's see if we can help you as well. You can learn all about us at simonassociates.net and read my book, learn about it at andysimon.com. There's a free chapter you can download and a toolkit you'll find very helpful. We're on Amazon, and you can buy it as a book, an ebook, or even an audible that I recorded myself. We look forward to hearing from you at simonassociates.net. Info at simonassociates.net is right to us. Now, back to our podcast. Well, but Katrina, I think that there's something very concrete in what you're saying. And so working with leaders, as you do, leaders have followers. And we think about Barbara Kellerman's work on four types of followers. And there are the, those who are isolates, who don't pay any attention, the bystanders who are watching, uh, those who are really, um, you know, participants and those who are activists. If you don't understand the relationships, then it's impossible for a leader to get anything done. The other side is that this is a, um, this is a, both a one-on-one -on -one partnership as well as a team sport. So nobody's a soloist in an organization. You need an orchestra. And everyone will play their roles really well. I love this stuff about them all being critics. Somewhere along the line, the culture enabled them not to be creators, but to be critics. And it was easier to tear everybody down than to get something done. And nothing happened if they didn't get anything accomplished. 
And there are so many levels from a cultural point of view, from what's being valued and from what somebody's in and how the dynamics go on. And it becomes a very interesting, important discussion about uh, the whole dynamic. The one thing that you mentioned that I want to emphasize for the listeners is that if you're going to change somebody, they have a story in their head. They see themselves in a particular way. That's their reality. And they only hear the things that conform to it, to your point. They don't hear any of this other stuff. So if their manager said that you have to change, they don't hear that at all. So it becomes very interesting to see how to um, really begin to change that dynamic and turn it into a different script. Um, I often use the words of a play as if you've all played Macbeth really well. Now we're going to play Hamlet, but you don't have a script. You've never had rehearsal time. You want us to in some way help you do this better. And it's not that easy to do. So let's remember that Robert Redford can play many roles and so can you. And if they are actors, so are you. Anything that takes away the stigma and the pain, like you've been playing a good role, but it's not the right role, but it's hard. And the changes, hey, the amygdala hijacks them. It fears it, it flees it, it appeases it, it fights it. You have a brilliance here. To really turn these brilliant jerks into successful ones, um, as you're thinking about it, is there a case study you can share so our audience can hear how it might have worked? I mean, I love to illustrate because this is a really powerful approach and I love the way it comes together. So at the end, somebody can turn from a jerk into a stark. Does it work? Yes, it does. It does work. Uh, otherwise, I wouldn't be here. <laughs> uh, it, it's, it's, and it's, um, I'm teasing. But um, yeah, it does take a little bit of time because new behaviors, like anyone knows, and it does take, that's why I stay in the process for a certain time and I come back and evaluate again. Oh, good. Uh, and uh, the other thing is uh, in the beginning, it might go very quickly. But to sustain it, I, I do a little bit longer so that the pressure is still there when they start relaxing. Uh, the other thing is uh, I have my book, Managing Brilliant Jerks, will certainly uh, be helpful in looking at it. It's a story, so it's really easy to read. And what are some of the mistakes people do when they approach these profiles? Because I've often asked, uh, oh, they don't want to be coached, so how do you... Help them be coached. <laughs> <laughs> they don't know they have a problem as everyone else. <laughs> yes. And then if you do, they're nervous about it. You know, why am I being questioned, you know, like this? So uh, maybe their boss has really said, you know, you got to change. And so that they've integrated, but then they don't know how because so that behavior. It's like jump. How high? Right. Yes. Hi, hi. And look, this has made me successful. So why now you want to make me a softie? Yeah, <laughs> I know. I think we're about ready to wrap. May I ask you, give the audience two or three things that you want them to remember, if you could. I'd really appreciate that because I know that often we remember the end even better than the whole conversation. Some things that you want them to take away. So, yes. Okay. So one to take away. And again, I mentioned it on my website, Excellent Executive Coaching. This is not only what you want them as a leader to do and the outcome, but learn a little bit the whole person so that the employee that you're working with doesn't feel that you're he's only or she's only an instrument 
for an objective. Learn about what they're passionate about, what their fears are, where they're going, what they're doing, and is it aligned to it? And what I found coaching and different organizations and is that they don't know how their work links up to the bigger mission. Oh, I know. How it's it's a piece and tied to something bigger than themselves. It lost more purpose. meaningful. Yes. Yes. That's absolutely. So I would say two things. Learn more about the people you're working on that doesn't have immediate tie to an end and uh, tie what they do as a leader to the bigger mission. This is important because we talked about, you know, Daniel Goleman's stuff on empathetic leadership and having focus and so forth. Uh, we can say lots of things, but nobody necessarily intuitively knows how to do it, much less knows how that what they're doing isn't what should be done. And, and then we've been teaching compassionate management, and that takes it to a whole other level, which is even more challenging. But today's world with its remote workforce is going to require us to really do this in a very innovative way. This is terrific. If they want to reach you, what's the best place to do that? Yes. And I just, before I tell you where they can reach me, I think now in the virtual environment, it's even more important to make a special effort to know them a little bit more than exactly what they can do for the company. If not, it becomes transactional and practical and they don't realize that that doesn't work. Yes, because there's not that physical proximity. Mm -hmm. So people can reach me at Excellent Executive Coaching. I have my podcast there. So I hope to have you, Andrea, on my next podcast. I can't wait. And this will be so much fun. We can share ideas from two different sides. I, I must say the conversation has been rich and exciting today. So I'm anxious to stay in touch and learn more and share it again. Great. Wonderful. Something really remarkable. And for the listener, think about yourself. You know, can you actually hear the way you're talking to others? What is the reaction? We teach feedback. Are the triggers getting people to not hear what you're saying at all? Do they become defensive? Do they run the other way? This is complicated. You have to manage with the brain and mind. And that's exactly what Katrina's doing. So I've had Katrina Burris here with us today. And she's got a book, great programs for you. And we'll have it all on our podcast blog that you can read. And, and take away. What I'm delighted about is that we continue to help our folks come off the brink. Our job is to help you soar. And so what I really want you to do is to remember, you have to see it, feel it, and then think about it. It doesn't matter what it is, but if you're gonna change something, it isn't about hearing what you should do. It's about finding out what is that they really mean and how do we do it? I wanna thank you all. My book, On the Brink, pardon me, Rethink, Smashing the Myths of Women in Business has just come out. And it's absolutely getting great reviews. I'm anxious to share it. Um, it's a book about 11 women, including myself, who simply refused. They're a little like Katrina. They refused to accept what's possible. And they're creating all kinds of great success stories that should be role models for others. So I'm anxious to share it and tell you more about it. Send me your emails at info at andysimon.com. I keep getting them from across the globe. It's so much fun. I have friends in Australia, South Africa. It doesn't matter where we are today. Podcasting has allowed us to share great stories in interesting ways. Katrina, thank you for joining me. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Andrea. It's been a pleasure. Indeed. Goodbye, everybody. Stay safe. Stay well. Smile. Life is short. Bye-bye.